Michael, that was a close one. What? Uh, well, nothing, except that uh, I almost forgot to call you uh, for our podcast recording. So, uh, sorry about that. Well, I got the smoke <laughs> signal, so it's good. <laughs> you saw the smoke. It was coming out of my ears uh, while I was working. Um, <laughs> yeah, have we, we, no, we, we, had a, we had a hard start time today, and uh, I just got into work mode, which is one of my least favorite modes. And uh, yeah time the morning just slipped away so uh welcome to the edward mouse podcast this is gonna be uh mike's got a hard stop because he's got work to do and so yeah we're just we're just gonna get into it man yeah i think it's the perfect time to add more mouse because work is so we are here oh, to man. provide some entertainment some relief maybe some background uh you know chatter for when you are working whatever it is we are here to uh, give you a little bit of disney and uh, yeah yeah for sure chatting <laughs> well i tell you um <clears throat> as we often do on this podcast we, we we like to talk about weather sometimes because you and i we live in landlocked uh ohio i live in akron you live in canton the beautiful city of canton ohio and mm-hmm. uh well the weather here is uh very it's it's unpre- it's predictable and it's unpredictableness if that's a word so we are you know it's like it was warm and it was warm way longer than it normally is and then it's like somebody flipped a switch and now it's now it's cold and yeah well rainy in, in ohio we have we have more than just four seasons we have many many seasons and we just went from warm fall to cold fall that's what just happened this week we say you know people say that like eskimos have a hundred words for snow or something like that yeah i think yeah i think we have at least 50 words for just gray uh, (laughs) cold weather so uh now is you know the summer a little harder to add more mouse because you're out hopefully out and about even with the pandemic you know hopefully you're outside doing stuff but we're getting into hunker mode here in in Northeast Ohio. Oh, now, it's, now you sound like my dad, hunker. Dude, I, I mean, I am down. a dad. What, it, look, here's the thing is when you <laughs> when you have children, you just start to say things that dads say. You start being obsessed with weather. You uh, start using phrases like, oh, there's some good sleeping weather tonight and things like that. You, it's, <laughs> it's unavoidable. It's just going to happen. And you can either try to rebel against it or you can just settle in for the ride. And that's what I've decided to do. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you're bringing up the weather. I mean, right there. Yes. Well, <laughs> it's all to do with the fact that we are going to be trapped inside. Uh, yeah. Even even in the before COVID era, uh, you know, it starts to snow. It's gross outside. Uh, I work from home now. And so we are just I'm just, just indoors a lot. And it's more important than ever to try to figure out ways to add some more mouse to 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 bring some levity to work and the monotony of the weather and being trapped inside. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm sad to say I still have not watched Muppet uh, Haunted Mansion. Have you watched this yet? No, that is on the agenda for this Halloween weekend. Halloween. I, I should have watched it by now. I completely forgot, but I did find myself uh, this week finally getting around to watching the thing that you recommended to me i think like a year ago mm-hmm. like right when disney plus launched yeah um, just maybe a little more than a year ago but uh i finally started watching 
uh, prop culture. Yeah. Which is really good. It's fantastic. Uh, it's great. I've only watched the first episode, but I, I was loving it all about different props from uh, Mary Poppins and it was fantastic. So uh, thank you for recommending that to me like 18 months ago. <laughs> yeah. What, what, I mean, so you said the Mary one that you really liked. Well, that's the only one I've seen so far. That's oh. the first episode. So I, I started at the beginning and uh, it's great. It was a great show. Well, Disney Plus has been having a lot of success lately. Um, and it just, I, I think it just became popular. Uh, it, 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 it's not yet beating Netflix, of course, but it has uh, surpassed a lot of the other streaming platforms and it's rising. Um, it, it has um, the, the mobile app, the news that said it had, exceeded $1.5 billion in worldwide consumer spend. So that's huge. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, um, I, I use it on my phone quite a bit. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's pretty great. If you, I mean, look, I know there's something to be said for, for how you watch a movie and how that affects you, but it's just it's pretty awesome to have all of this stuff uh, whenever you want it. And it's overwhelming, and I almost have that same problem I used to have when I would go to the – I mean, those of us who are old enough to remember video stores, you know, you'd go to a video store and you'd, you'd say to whoever you were with, or your friends, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, and you'd say, hey, let's, let's run a movie today. And then you'd go to like Blockbuster <laughs> or Hollywood Video, and then you'd just walk around for like an hour <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> out, and there was too much stuff to choose from. Um, yeah. And sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't want to watch a Disney thing. And I get in there and just start scrolling through. And there's like, there's a lot of stuff I'm not interested in, but there's so much stuff that I either haven't seen that I want to see. It's, it's hard to narrow in on, on something. Um, so yeah, I chose prop culture. It's really good. My, my kids are on a steady diet of this bluey show, which I think I mentioned on the previous episode, they are both going as bluey characters for Halloween this weekend. And, um, yeah, man, that's how I'm. That's how I'm adding some more mouse lately. That's awesome. Well, they also just dropped this new trailer for Lightyear. Yeah, I saw that. I'm, I'm, con- I, I'm surprised. That I really didn't know that was happening. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'd read it and forgotten about it. But like, I really, it was kind of a surprise when it, when it showed up yesterday. This trailer, I was like, yeah, well, this really, is how they're going to keep this uh, Toy Story franchise going is, is you know, focus on the character sort of how like Marvel does it. I feel like they're taking a page out of that book. Yeah, um, it's kind of confusing. It's that it's like they're they mm-hmm. they said it's it's based it's the movie's based on the character that the Buzz Lightyear toy was based, based on. on. <laughs> but it's like a real person in the movie. He's like an astronaut yeah. or something. And it, well, hey man, whatever. I'll, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. It's not weird it to me, but... Tell you how many people sent me that. I mean, tons of people <laughs> sent me that. So I put it up on our Instagram uh, story. You can follow us on Instagram at Admore Mouse. We're getting a little bit more active. Please follow us and, you know, give us some likes. And... Uh, what I've been posting recently is our, um, you know, plugs for our recent episodes. We are in a mini series right now. We like to do these, uh, so this is going to be the fourth episode yeah. in the mini. You're getting close on- to the end, and then we're going to yeah. announce our next one. Um, exactly. 
This is so, our Disney documentary uh, miniseries. So we, yes. we've, we've done a few of these now. What have we've, we done? Because I never remember. <laughs> we did The Boys, which is about the Sherman Brothers. Right, right. Waking Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. I remember that. About the animation uh, right before the Disney Renaissance that launched the Disney Renaissance. And we did uh, Walt and El Grupo. Yes, uh, that's correct. Week. Your memory's far better than mine is. <laughs> and this week, I chose a real, a real curveball. I think. And oh, I like uh, it though. It, it is one of my one of the one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Uh, having to do with Disney. <laughs> and mm-hmm. for those of you, I think we announced on a previous episode, but you know, for this episode, we watched the Sweatbox and. <clears throat> the story behind this is is just so interesting. And uh, it, briefly, the film, it, it centers around the film that eventually became The Emperor's New Groove, which, you know, is kind of one of those Disney movies where I've never met anybody where it's their favorite. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah. I don't dislike it. I think it's good. My, my kids like it. And that's always a good. My kids tend, I mean, well, they like a lot of junk too but you know they tend to <laughs> gravitate towards the better stuff usually and uh but it started out as a far far different movie um originally <laughs> called empire of the sun kingdom and... of the sun go oh, kingdom geez, of yeah the you're sun. right i'm yeah. getting facts mm-hmm. wrong this is what happens when i can't read my handwriting on these notes uh, <laughs> Kingdom of the Sun, directed by the the guy that directed The Lion King. And you basically just see this documentary behind the scenes of this guy's vision pretty much just slip through his fingers. Um, it's, it's filmed and it was put together by uh, Trudy Styler, who is the mm-hmm. wife of the musician Sting, who <laughs> he is hired to be the, the, the songwriter. You know, this is back when they would they don't really do this anymore i don't i mean they well i shouldn't say that but this is the era where like every disney movie had some superstar singing a few songs like mm-hmm. you, you had uh you know uh, phil collins for tarzan you had clearly elton john in the lion king mm-hmm. um and then well they, and i should say that i mean this was right after tarzan and Tarzan was a little different because it it didn't have any of the characters singing songs in Tarzan. It had Phil Collins' songs sort of playing over the film, you know. Which was and, very much, it seems like that was very much the vibe that this was yeah. going for. So Hard to was, totally say, sort of, but, you know. Mm-hmm. So this was sort of the second film to do that. Because even when Elton John was, you know, writing and singing some of those songs, the characters were singing them. And I remember distinctly when Tarzan came out in 99 and then when this came out um, that these, it it sort of was a deviation from, you know, the musical. These anime classics were, and that kind of made me not like them as much going into them. Um, Just, I remember at the time at least, you know? Yeah. It was one of those things where they were trying to just duplicate for every movie. Right. So like for a while, every single Disney movie had two wisecracking sidekicks because you know, (laughs) it was successful in the Lion King. So it's like, all right, everybody's got to have, okay. uh, Hunchback. We've got to have talking gargoyles. Uh, 
mm-hmm. you know, t- Tarzan, we've got to have talking, talking apes that are always going to follow him around. Like there's, there's yeah. always, you know, Oh, Mulan, we've got to have a funny dragon and you know, Pocahontas <laughs> yep. has to have creatures with her at all times. <laughs> so like having a superstar on the soundtrack was, a, was just one of those things they were trying to duplicate. Yeah. And I'm actually uh, sidebar. I'm a huge Sting fan. Uh, I love his band, The Police. I think they're great, and I also really dig his solo stuff. So it's kind of a treat for me because even though I am a massive animation fan, and it's I, I'm always interested when they, whether for good or bad, you get a you get a look behind the scenes of how cartoons are made because I think it's you know, especially in the era of hand drawn animation, it's just such an interesting process. Um, yeah. It's yeah. unlike anything else, the way things are happening, all these different things are happening at the same time in order to, you know, get it done in a reasonable amount of time, the amount of effort it takes just to get these things together. Mm-hmm. It's all interesting. And then you have the added benefit of a musician who I really respect, a guy who's like just immensely talented, uh, who, yeah. who, who pretty much the documentary starts kind of through his lens because he's involved writing music and pretty much they jettison all of his music <laughs> that he writes for them. Right. It's um, kind of funny, by the way. I mean, so that was one of the stipulations, I, 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 I believe, is that he said, if he was signing on to this, that his wife, Trudy Styler, who you said was the, uh, the, the director of this documentary, that she would be allowed to have this access uh, behind the scenes and filming all of these yeah. things. That was sort it's, of one of his like, roles to sign it's, on. And it, man, you know, she, she captures a lot of stuff that nothing that i think is necessarily super embarrassing uh you know for i mean there disney's you know going back to our little introduction on it disney's never released this formally so i think it it played at one or two film festivals and it's pretty much been unavailable since and it pops up on youtube in sections so i watched it uh, on YouTube, it is currently as of October 2021 available on YouTube in in 10 minute chunks, and you know it's not a great it's not a great way to watch it. It's in a small screen. I watched it on my computer so I could expand the screen, but it's one of those things where like <laughs> there's a still image in the background, and then there's just this tiny little window, and it's all reversed too. So it's not it's not the although maybe that is the perfect way to watch it because it does feel like you're watching something you're not supposed to be so that's kind of fun. <laughs> I, I managed to find it in full form, not reversed or tiny. Um, oh man, I yeah. was not able to. Where did you maybe where, on, you, able to... on YouTube? No, not on YouTube. So I will. Oh. I will. I and I I don't recall, but I can look in my history here. Interesting. Maybe okay, we can cool. Post that for you all out there because that would be great. Would be a better way to watch. I might it. I might watch it again so I can actually see it. Um, <laughs> But you know, but yes, just, it was not. It was kind of one of those things that it, they even say that this is the the documentary that Disney doesn't want you to see. So it makes it salacious already from the get go. Um, which is too they, bad because they, it's really yeah. it's really interesting and it's, um, I mean, the worst you could say. It's enough time has passed now that I mean, pretty much nobody who worked there at that time still works there. So I don't know. I think it's a super valuable piece of Disney history. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think anything in it is any worse than what's in waking sleeping beauty when it comes to Michael Eisner and, um, Jeffrey Katzenberg. I mean, and those are, you know, that's available on Disney plus for streaming. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. I mean, maybe there's a weird rights issue. I mean, I, I really don't know everything that goes into, um, it's unavailability. Who knows? Um, well, it does, it does, um, you know, it gives, 
a lot of, like we said, behind the scenes look, um, real time, you know, as this film is evolving, because it originally, like we said, started as being called the kingdom of the sun and the storyline was something completely different than what it ended up being with Emperor's New Groove. I mean, the things that remain from the original story are probably that it took place in South America and I think Peru and uh, that it was um, involving some llamas and, uh, you know, and and, and, uh, Llama Herder. That was pretty much at the very beginning, the only like storylines that 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 remained. But there were a lot of different um, offshoots of, of different components of the film that this shows like, you know, being added or subtracted. Um, and I really, one of my favorite parts of this documentary is this one little montage where they have a bunch of the staff members talking about how, uh, well, all the rumors that they're hearing about the changes that are being made to the film, because, you know, the people came in to, um, the executives came in to, pre-screen or to talk through uh where the film was at at, at that point uh, the the executive producers wanted to see what was finished so far and they came to the sweatbox that's the name of the of this movie the sweatbox is where they would come to screen this or to talk through this and um you know they tore it apart uh, apparently and 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 I, I i i can see i mean like you know they had a lot of different things they weren't satisfied with and they were pretty harsh about it so so like i said my favorite montage where things like well i'm hearing this is going to change i hear that it's not going to take place in peru anymore it's going to take place in nebraska (laughs) there's going to be sheep instead of llamas i hear that sting is no longer going to do this i hear that so and so has been fired and so and so has been fired and i heard that this character is completely out of it and this new character is going to be the uh the the lead character so it was really interesting how like even during the thick of the filmmaking you know the rumors that swirled the changes that are made how these people have and it was that I don't know if you recall that particular little scene, but that was um, just kind of where it all kind of started to turn because they had to um, they had to figure out what they were going to do now with this this <laughs> with put, p- putting the pieces together of all this. Yeah, it's it's a tough scene. Uh, <clears throat> when when I was reading about uh, some additional history, um, the full production time on of the Emperor's New Groove was six years. So, oh my! you know, just imagine putting years of work into something and you, it all builds up to like this screening and then you have your bosses just go, this thing's a mess. (laughs) And, you know, I would love, it's probably out there somewhere. I haven't tried to look for it, but I would love to read the, the, like the original script for, um, for kingdom of the sun, because it does sound like a mess uh it sounds like there's a lot of stuff going on they talk about mm-hmm. there's like a it's like a prince and a pauper exchange of characters then yep. there's the whole llama thing then there's this mythological aspect where somebody has to harness the sun like it sounds yeah. like there are f- when they when they at the beginning of the movie when they're talking about all of the things they're trying to put into it. It sounds like four movies are smashing into each other. <laughs> it really and, did. Yeah. And, and then when you see what the finished product was, when they re- eventually reach that impasse and Disney leadership basically sits them all down and they're like, who can save this? They really strip everything out of it, including all the music and just turn it into a very straight comedy, yeah. um, which actually retains, you know, it's, 
the whole end result of all of those storylines, the original director, uh, Roger Aller, I'm going to mess it up. Aller, Aller, yeah, I'm not quite sure how to say it. He, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he's like, it's about a selfish guy learning how to be a leader. And they do retain that for what eventually becomes Emperor's New Groove. But they have to strip out all the other stuff that he was really excited about. Um, and, you know, it's, it really comes down to, originally there were two directors. It was Roger Aller and this guy named Mark Dindle. And pretty much they hand the whole movie to Mark Dindle and say, hey, you got to make this work. You've got a year. And so they just take what they can and they continue animating and that you end up with Emperor's New Groove. And again, not, not a terrible movie. I mean, without knowing all of the behind the scenes stuff, it doesn't seem like a pieced together job. It's a little strange. It's a bit of a weird movie. It's very low stakes for Disney. Like if you're looking at it in the context of like those, the, the era of like the other, you know, the Disney Renaissance, it's a, it's a much smaller scale. Um, yeah, but feels kind of more akin to something like Lilo and Stitch, I think, in that way. And Lilo and Stitch mm-hmm. is a great movie. So, which came right around this time as well. Which I, I yes. think that this is sort of yeah. This is not, I believe this era. is this finally comes out in. Uh, uh, this finally comes out in two thousand, and I think Lilo and Stitch is right around the same time. But uh, yeah, man, it's really interesting. And you know, Sting does eventually get a song on the soundtrack which is nominated mm-hmm. for an Oscar. So, I mean, he, you know, but it's certainly not the project that he signed on for where he would have had, you know, multiple songs. And it, you see him in the movie there. I mean, he spent quite a bit of time working on music that just eventually. Tons of time. Nowhere. Yeah, he, was, he, was the, he was, yeah. And he had to, and that's why the rumor was, I think at the one point, like, oh, you know, he is dropping out because he has to, you know, he has to go finish his album uh, back in England and all that. But that's sort of, the point here is that he was involved in this movie a lot longer than he anticipated as well and then all for just the one song to ever make it in the end um it's kind of interesting but um yeah i would love to i would love to get i'm wondering if these are on youtube too i didn't look but i would love to Mm -hmm. hear those songs that he originally i mean it'd be really interesting to hear what he did um (laughs) even out of context they would be interesting because he has a whole song about llamas i was just about to say (laughs) i want to hear you being a fan of him, I mean, how do you feel about like this, like real, uh, you know, awesome rock star, like you know, real bravado, and then there he is singing about llamas. Love it, <laughs> love it. It's Give me so more. funny to see him on the film doing the. I know. I think it's great. I mean, he's he's also a guy who, um, while a buck. well, sure, but he's also a guy that's very <laughs> funny, and yeah. I think his music. He does not write very funny music. Uh, the police sometimes had a bit of a sense of humor, but like, you know, his, his solo work, which again, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of is oftentimes like deadly serious. Like it's always serious. There's no levity in a lot of sting music. And so it was kind of cool to see him uh, playing in a different sandbox, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. And which is interesting a sidebar. Um, I'm currently watching a TV show called only murders in the building, which is a Hulu show, Hulu original. Starring Steve Martin and your favorite Martin Short, <laughs> and it's a it's a movie or movie it's a it's a TV show about two guys who are investigating a murder. Well, it's two guys and Selena Gomez, another Disney connection, uh, investigating a murder in their building. And <laughs> for two episodes, they this is not a spoiler, but they they are convinced that the main uh, 
<laughs> the main suspect is Sting, who lives in their building, and he <laughs> is in like two episodes and playing a version of himself that is very funny. So it's kind of hilarious that we watched this, and uh, and he popped up in the show that I had no idea he was in. Yeah. So, that's... you know, th- this is really interesting, and I, what I think is funny, I found an article in Variety that I sent you that we'll try and post the link to as well, um, and they. They keep saying, you know, Disney will never make another movie like this. And that's not true because um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if Disney has made another movie like this, but Pixar certainly has. Um, mm-hmm. Pixar, their films Brave and The Good Dinosaur have very similar histories as this film. Yeah. Uh, mo- movies that start off in one version and go through a bunch of different versions eventually become just a complete hodgepodge of ideas. And both times in those films, the directors were either, you know, asked to step down or just voluntarily step down and let somebody else come in to like write the ship. And then those directors get story credit, producer credit, but it's not technically their movie anymore. Um, I think Brave was in production for five years or something like that. At the time, I had a friend who worked at Pixar, and that was the first time I ever heard about this movie was, oh, we've got this movie called Brave that no one knows what to do with because we, they just keep, they keep going back to it. They, they, they work on it. They screen it. They decide it's not working. They, they work on it some more. They screen it. It's too scary. Then it's not interesting. And like, yeah. it, it's, it's the exact same thing that happened with Emperor's New Group. And then even the same thing happened. My friend worked on... good dinosaur and it was a very different movie to begin with much like we haven't mentioned uh in kingdom of the sun there are whole uh actors who are removed in the final product owen wilson the original was supposed to be david spade and owen wilson and owen wilson's nowhere to be found in the final yeah i saw him in the beginning of this documentary and because they showed him and david spade doing some voice acting and then i was like trying to trying to think did i misremember owen wilson being in this no, film? It, I, he's I, just I, gone yeah yeah and the same so thing happened insane. same thing happened in the good dinosaur i believe john lithgow uh recorded an entire part and mm-hmm. by the time that movie comes out he's nowhere in there yeah wow yeah and I, yeah i think i mean i recently did a little bit of work in background work in a movie um and movie making is not as glamorous as people make it seem to be. And they even said that in this, I mean, the whole fact that it's called a sweat box, the fact that these people don't know what's going on, that, you know, there's a lot of stress. I mean, things change. There's a lot of disagreement. I mean, it's not as glamorous as people say, and it's a slow, slow process as they say in this. I remember the one guy, I forget who, but one of the folks working on the movie has saying how, how beautiful it is to see things coming together. I think this is right before they went into the screening because he was more optimistic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, you know, to see like, it's a very, it's like slowly seeing magic come to life. Um, So it's not as, you know, you you think that you're going to go work on a movie and it's going to be like the coolest thing ever. And in the end, I mean, the final product is obviously really exciting, but there's a lot of, a lot that goes into these things. And, 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 more often than not i think we you know this is probably a good depiction of how films are made because you again get these different uh viewpoints these different you know these people have different 
thoughts that on, on how what should be in the final product and everything. And so uh, they probably don't want you to see Disney or whomever probably doesn't want you to see a documentary like this because it just shows takes away, you know, the the the, the magical part of it and shows you just like this is work. This is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, nobody nobody sets out to make a bad movie. Right. I mean, I, right. I would imagine. So even, you know, when we we had our an old miniseries about Disney bombs and <laughs> we really try not to like rip on them or make fun of them too much because no one no one sets out to make a, a piece of junk you know that everybody movies take a lot of people to make yeah. but i but i find the reaction to them really interesting and um i think the common thread between kingdom of the sun and brave and good dinosaur is that the the story seems to be that at some point the person leading the production loses sight of what they're what they were trying to accomplish in the first place mm-hmm. and i i not that i could ever possibly relate to somebody making a a hundred plus million dollar movie <clears throat> but speaking as somebody who likes to play music and play in bands and write and write music in the spare time there have been plenty of times where you know, you work on a song for, or a piece of music for, for sometimes like weeks or months Mm -hmm. and it's got, it's got 10 parts in it and they're all great to you. Like you love all of them equally, but the song is super long or, or, or maybe I work on something at my house and I'm like, this is good. And then I take it to band practice and the rest of the band is scratching (laughs) their heads. Like, what is this? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 it does. It does. And it's because I've lived with it in my brain for so long that like, I know, I know what it's supposed to sound like. I know if we can just get through it, it's going to be great, but it's hard to articulate that to people. And you know what? A lot of times they're totally right. Like when I start yeah. to try to show this really complex song to somebody, it starts to become apparent, like, who boy. Okay. Yeah. These parts, this song doesn't make any sense. <laughs> It's not, yeah. it doesn't go where it needs to go. It, there's not enough dynamics. It's one volume all the way through. There's too many notes here. And so mm-hmm. it's hard, especially when there's a part where like you worked on it for weeks and you got every note correct in your mind on your own. And then somebody hears it and goes, I don't like that part. Yeah. So a lot of times they're right. And so you have to be able to like, you know, take a knife to your own to your own heart kind of like and say hey i spent a lot of time on this thing but that doesn't really matter it has to be as good as it can be and that sometimes that means just chopping away the stuff that i spent time on to get to the good stuff yeah maybe maybe it has 10 parts and it needs two you know um yeah yep. maybe it needs two and then i need to rely on other people to make the other ones up so that it it's as good as it can be and i think a lot of i, I don't mean to uh superimpose my <laughs> my artistic uh endeavors <laughs> on anybody else but it does kind of feel like when you look at Mark Allers, when he's talking about the cosmic mythology aspect, of this movie and the Prince and the Pauper thing and the leadership thing and the llama thing, love story. Yeah. yeah. It's like he, he's got all these pieces that in his head he can see perfectly. But when you start to lay them out onto one movie, it's just not, not yeah. making any sense. And, <clears throat> and yeah. And they, they say that the theme of this overall is the conflicts between the creative and the executive, you know, and that's, that's exactly what you're saying. This, you know, creative mind may have all of these things 
but um, the executive comes from a whole different lens. And uh, well, yeah, and I think executives in 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 art oftentimes get a really bad rap, probably mostly correctly, right? Like there are Hollywood and the music industry and and everywhere else, publishing industry is full of stories of artists having these great ideas and then having their work just demolished in the editing process or something like that. You know, like Orson Welles had one of his movies chopped up by the by the uh, studio and they actually threw away footage because he refused to cut stuff out. So they cut it out and they burnt it so that he couldn't put it back in because they wanted to chop down the running time. Like history is full of stories of musicians, directors, writers being reined in and the product at the end of the day is not nearly as good as it could have been had they been given control over their art. But right. <laughs> I will also say there are plenty of stories out there that don't get as much publicity where an, an artist is incredibly talented and has a ton of imagination, but they benefit from somebody who can rein them in and point yeah. them in the right direction, who can look at exactly. it as an audience member and go, look, I, I see where you're trying to go, but you, focus in this lane and see where it goes. Right. You know? And yeah. And, and they do get, you know, the bad rap for that. Um, but it's necessary. Um, oh yeah. Especially when you're talking about, screens. you know, for my band, nobody really cares, but for a <laughs> hundred and some million dollar investment, uh, it's, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's pretty important yeah. that when you release this thing, yeah, you want good reviews, but you also want it to appeal to people. Um, right. And if a movie is too confusing, uh, it's not going to do that. Yeah. Well, this film, the, the, so we said The Emperor's New Groove came out in 2000, but then um, 2002 was when this documentary was quote unquote released. I mean, it had like a release at the Toronto International Film Festival, but um, it really wasn't widely available or anything um, until it was leaked online, which is how we now can all view it. Um, so it does have just a few reviews on rotten tomatoes but it is a hundred percent rating on rotten tomatoes uh <laughs> well so i think good. i would love i would love to see them own this and put it and again I, I have no idea if that's if it's a disney decision or for some reason they're unable to to get it right i, I really don't know but i it's just i think it's an essential piece of understanding how how animated films were made back then and um yeah, I mean, I think I think it's great. It's kind of too bad you have to try and seek it out uh, through yeah. specific means to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'll put the link up. Well, let me let me read this one little uh, snippet from Rotten Tomatoes because I think it really actually does a good job, um, kind of summarizing this. It says the sweat box is that turns infuriating hilarious and enlightening you'll cringe in sympathy with the disney artists as you see the gross bureaucratic incompetence they had to endure while working at the studio in the 1990s and then it says it captures the tortured morphine of the kingdom of the sun into the emperor's new groove and serves as an serves as an invaluable historical document about disney's animation operations in the late 1990s so that i think sums it up really nicely that this does have you know it, it we, we we just watched a documentary about you know the Disney Renaissance with Waking Sleeping Beauty and now we're we're kind of post Renaissance at the very end of the Renaissance type of um, uh, environment now with the animation studios and how different those are and just uh, kind of how the creativity was maybe start you can say it was starting to fizzle or at least um, pivot I should say and uh, yeah I mean. Y- 
Dave, when you were selling this to me, this this film saying, hey, like, we got to watch this. This needs to be in one of our documentaries. It's nuts. I'm like, like, sign me up because I, I, I want that. I want to see this kind of like raw third party, you know, uh, I like their view of, of, of what really was taking place. And it's kind of random that it's Sting's wife, but pretty cool that that's how it came to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. That is the sweat box from 2002. Um, go watch it. If you can find it, uh, follow Michael's link when he, when he posts on, on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Michael, I don't know what we need to watch next. We have, we have some options and I don't know if you've got one that you want to, that you want to put into the mix, but we're going to have to decide right now. Do you want to watch (laughs) the movie Howard about Howard Ashman and his involvement in the Disney Renaissance making, uh, helping to create some of the most legendary songs in the Mm -hmm. Disney canon? And I have watched that. It's on Disney+. Plus. I have yeah. not seen that one yet. Yeah, or, I may have talked about it on here. It's 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 beautiful. Um, or should we know, watch because... Frank and Ollie? You kept bringing that one up, and uh, and and uh, I I am not familiar with that one. So tell me what that one is. It's about Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston, and it, they are two of the legendary nine old men animators from the golden age of Disney animation. See, I think I think that may be more intriguing because again, we're we're talking about these different eras, and we've we've touched on the Renaissance quite a bit. So, and um, I think even when you know, I think we I think we've mentioned Howard Ashman a few times in his work, and so these two gentlemen, I think, would be be, be good to learn a little bit more about them. At least, let's personally. do it. Yeah. All right. So you heard it here first. The next <laughs> episode will be the conclusion of our. Disney documentaries miniseries, uh, Frank and Ollie, available on Disney Plus. You don't have to go hunting on YouTube for a backwards uh, image <laughs> version of this. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited. I I, I love stuff like this. Um, and right. they're two guys. They're two guys who I have gotten to learn a lot about just because, like any any book about Disney history, animation, um, the Nine Old Men are constantly referenced, and it's cool to see uh, yeah. two guys get their due. Well couple real final thoughts by the way about um the sweat box just because i uh i don't know about you but now this makes me want to watch the emperor's new groove <laughs> and then um if nothing else but eartha kit because i think she is freaking awesome <laughs> oh we didn't even man we didn't A even legend. mention her and she yeah. is just it watching her recorder dialogue is just yeah. great um, that was amazing yeah just it's really cool. I'm so glad they ended up keeping her for the final version. They didn't axe her. She was probably one of the only things that was truly working in the original version. I know. Well, she's one of the things that whenever I think of Emperor's New Groove, I think of Yzma uh, because of just how wacky she was and over the top. And yeah, in this documentary, you see, yeah, her doing some of her voice acting and it's hilarious. I mean, there's one point where her headset falls off her head because she's just so into it. And she's like going like, she's like screaming and getting into character. So I now want to watch, um, watch the actual film Emperor's New Groove. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do a little hot take because it'll be the first time <laughs> I, first time I've watched this in 20 years. And uh, we'll, we'll see uh, in our next episode um, when we talk about Frank and Ollie, I might, I might touch on uh, my, my takeaways from rewatching, this as an adult a grown adult when 
when we did we had a mini series a while ago about disney sequels yeah did we cover crunk's new groove we did not but i i i mean how surprised are you that this even begat a sequel i mean (laughs) well i don't know but crunk's new groove is the hottest garbage uh (laughs) It is so bad, and my kids love it. my My son no. really loves it. We we he was really into watching it over and over again for a while. Um, and it's a totally harmless thing. But like, I remember watching it the first time and just thinking, like, Whoa, what? It, what? Why? We'll cover it. We eventually we're going to do another Disney sequel series because there are so many to get to. So we'll I'll make sure it's in the next batch because that thing is so weird. Um, <laughs> it's so strange. It bears no. I mean. It's clear that they had a, a bunch of random scripts laying around, and they just shoved a bunch together with some animation overlays they had laying. Around. It was. I'm not wow. going to get into it. We'll we'll get okay. to it someday. All right. So, but for thank now. you everybody for this quick uh, episode. We we, I I was dragging my feet on Colin Michael, and we both have to get back to work. This was our like this is our lunchtime, <laughs> uh, lunch hour podcast about. <laughs> disney history um anything you want to say before we go michael no i just you know this has been uh like like i said at the start this is a nice escape from work and the hustle and bustle so hopefully you all feel the same way so give us a shout on instagram or email us at admiralmouse.gmail.com and uh tell a friend like subscribe and we uh you know we we love doing this and we hope uh hope, hope you all love it too yeah uh we'll announce our next mini series on our next episode yeah yeah i've got a few ideas we gotta we gotta we gotta settle on one yeah all right maybe we'll do a one-off i don't know those are always i don't know we'll do what we can do here's the beauty we can do whatever we want (laughs) it turns out we don't got those execs over our heads it turns out we don't have bosses at this job yeah like like at, at the kingdom of the sun yes Yes. Oh, God. I would hate to have to listen to an episode of this podcast in, in the sweat box. Uh, anyways. <laughs> and have them tear it apart. Oh, I Lord. know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Anyways, uh, here's hoping <laughs> that we've helped you add a little more mouse to whatever you're doing when you listen to this. Uh, maybe you're cleaning your chimney. Maybe power washing your house. Uh, maybe you're out chimney. using the grill. Uh, and it's pouring rain and you're using an umbrella, but you have your, your AirPods in and you're listening to us. <laughs> we thank you. Uh, maybe, until... you're, maybe you're running a marathon, which I hear people listen to podcasts and audiobooks when they're running marathons. And I don't know how they do it, but maybe you are one of those people. And hey, more power to you. I used to listen to podcasts when I would no. go running um, sometimes because I would get tired of music. But like it's been probably two or three years since I've been able to do that. When I run, it's like, it's hard for me to get motivated. And so I have to listen to music, usually heavy metal. <laughs> get me going. Usually, I can't. Yeah. It's hard to I gotta like, listen to the Beyonders. Well, there, yeah, my band. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I would hate, I don't know. I don't know if I could get pumped to like lift weights or um, go running outside listening to like a book on tape or something. It just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. Um, yeah. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> thank you all for listening and uh we will see you next time all right ta-ta for now <laughs> <laughs>